laurels for spring. Groundbreaking. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you. Voltaire, hair. I would personally like to learn about Voltaire. Okay, Christine. Ladybird. Is that your given name? Yeah. Why is it in quote? Well, I gave it to myself. It's given to me by me. Okay. Take it away, Ladybird. You want to know how I got these scars? I. I quit. I quit. <laughs> Everybody wants to party with Aretha because I'm sexy and chubby, man. I have such doubts. <laughs> Welcome, everyone. Episode four of Movie Time with uh, Ann Gennari. Uh, thanks everyone for joining us. Thanks everyone for listening to the first three episodes and providing feedback. Uh, we're, we're very excited to do this. It's, you know, kind of just for fun, but if people like it, uh, we're definitely open to suggestions, improvements, whatever you like about the pod, let us know. And, uh, we'll consider, um, you know, taking into consideration. So I guess what I kind of want to start out each week uh, at least, you know, going forward is, you know, what did we watch this week? Um, I watched, I started binging Curb Your Enthusiasm for, for the first time. I watched the first season. Anyone who knows me knows I'm a huge Seinfeld fan. So like it, it's in my wheelhouse, but I never, I never got into it. I mean, I'd seen a few episodes here and there. It's good. I like it a lot. It's just, I'm only, I mean, it's only first season, so I can't, you know, say how, how it goes after that. But I mean, there's just so many scenes that are like right on the edge of just secondhand. It's like secondhand embarrassment, like every episode um, where he just gets in such uncomfortable situations that it makes you really like just feel cringy when you're watching it. Uh, but I'll, I'll continue watching it. Uh, are you watching any series right now? No, I'm not watching any tv other than beverly hills as i mentioned last week which is compelling so beverly hills what real Housewives of beverly okay, hills all right, there you go. not everyone knows it in the, the vernacular <laughs> beverly uh, hills is what we call it in the reality tv ranks um i also watched peanut butter falcon with shia labeouf and uh dakota johnson do you remember that movie no. well you can see it but you know he's the it's the i mean it's described as like a kind of like a mark twainian type like adventure film basically it's Shia LaBeouf Shia LaBeouf is kind of like this he's like a crab fisherman who's kind of down on his luck his brother died etc um and there's this uh kid with down syndrome who has no family he gets placed in like a retirement home because they have nowhere else to put him he wants to escape he escapes and he runs into Shia LaBeouf and they just go on this adventure together. Um, I thought it was pretty good. I, I liked it a lot. Um, the chemistry was good and the story was good. It, it, it was an easy, easy breezy movie. And then I watched this movie, this romantic comedy with Paul Giamatti called Sideways and Sandra O oh was in it as well. Uh, Thomas Hayden Church, I think was the other guy in it too. It was okay. It was kind of depressing to be honest. Paul Giamatti, I love. I just love Paul Giamatti, so uh, I, I made, that made me want to watch it. But uh, and it was, re- I mean, it was recommended as like a good, as a good film. I, I thought it was okay. It was, it was kind of depressing, but worth the watch. Um, How recent was that? Two thousand four. Oh, okay. I love Sandra so, Oh. I liked her in it too. Yeah, um, but Paul Giamatti is just like such a sad sack in the movie, and he's so like I love him, but he's just so like. He's very like an unattractive individual. 
<laughs> like just yeah overall. i mean he's not the best looking guy i've ever seen but so like him him garnering attraction from any woman is just very far-fetched i mean i don't know he's just he was just a very <laughs> and he was just such a loser in the movie that it was even harder to be like oh yeah like i could you know he was not confident or anything um what have you watched any movies yeah, I watched this scary movie called What Keeps You Alive, which is a Canadian horror film. It was made in 2018. It's pretty good. It wasn't anything exceptional. It was unique because it featured like a lesbian couple as like the primary um, as the primary characters, which you don't really see that often. And it wasn't really about the fact that they were gay. It was just that they just happened to pick like a gay couple as the main characters. It was pretty much your standard... Uh, sort of thriller i thought there were some really cool things going on with camera work at certain points um but i would recommend it It was only like an hour and a half so it's a quick watch and it's hard to find decent halfway decent horror movies so i liked watching that i will not be checking that out yeah well you know but maybe (laughs) someone else will check it out someone who likes horror movies please check it out all right i'm excited there's some good some juicy movie news this week um there's a movie, a new movie starring Lakeith Stanfield and Daniel Kaluuya. I think it's how you say his name. Judas and the Black Messiah, uh, expected to be a uh, 2020 release. It's uh, basically a movie about uh, the takedown of uh, Fred Hampton, who's a Black Panther in the 1960s. I, be- I believe Daniel Kaluuya plays Fred Hampton and Lakeith Stanfield plays like an undercover FBI agent or something like that. Are we excited for this? I mean, I know I am. I'm a Lakeith Stan for Lakeith Stanfield. <laughs> Emphasis on the Stan. Uh, and obviously, I, you know, Daniel Kaluuya is a household name these days. Yeah, I want to see that, definitely. I am very excited. I didn't hear that. anything about it, so I'm. I just, I just came out. They just announced it this week, uh, like, not, like maybe a couple days ago. Uh, I, I didn't have a chance to watch the trailer yet, but I mean, I know just those two. Like, I know it's going to be a good movie. So, um, so Ariana and I talked about this off pod, but Disney Plus is to release the Mulan live action uh, on September 4th, but you got to pay 30 bucks to watch it. Are we buying this? I think we probably are. I think we probably are, but then does that mean we review it for the podcast? Oh, no. We're, yeah, we're definitely going to review it. Ooh, a little... Fi- I mean, if we can actually watch something that's in current... <laughs> that's new, yeah. I mean, if we're going to... If we're gonna, buy it we got her we have um, to reimburse us audience <laughs> <laughs> yeah down the line you want that 30 put it, bucks back. put it as a tax right off <laughs> yeah um, i definitely want to watch it i'm excited i think it's gonna be good like i i want to watch it it's worth me but i mean 30 bucks usually it's like 20 bucks i don't know if it's a rent or if it's a buy i would assume it's a rent um, Ooh, yeah that's a lot yeah. it's definitely a lot of money but if you consider going to the theater i guess it's gonna be well if it's quite... between the two like if we both can yeah. watch it different times and it's like 15 bucks for, i mean that's not terrible but um i'd like to see it on a big screen but who cares uh don't forget to watch it uh this came from collider martin scorsese's next film is going to be killers of the flower moon which i think was already announced but they they set to film it in uh i think they announced the filming date which is 2021 uh, it's starring Leo, Robert De Niro. Um, it's based on a nonfiction book by David Grant. investigates a series of murders of wealthy Osage people that took place in Osage County, Oklahoma in the early 1920s after big oil deposits were discovered beneath their land. 
Um, after the Osage, Native, Native Americans are awarded rights in court to the profits made from oil deposits found in the land. The Osage people prepare for receiving the wealth to which they believe they are legally entitled from, entitled from sales of their oil deposits. I think it's supposed to be like a Western type, a little bit. I mean, it's a Scorsese, it's Leo, it's Robert. I'm, I'm interested. I don't know what how your feelings are going to be on that. Um, I don't. No, I don't know yet. I like Leonardo DiCaprio. I, I'm not a huge Robert De Niro fan. I know objectively he's a good actor, but for some reason I just like don't really care about him. <laughs> um, but I'm glad it's not another mafia movie. So I guess there's more incentive there for me to watch it. I'll, yeah. I'll, I will probably watch it, but it's kind of too uh, too far ahead for me to yeah. Say. I mean, it's, but I'm not it's I'm not super while. excited for it. But I'll probably I'll probably watch. It. Yeah, I'm, I I think it might be a Netflix or Apple TV release too. I think oh, okay. they're thinking about, I think they were in talks to distribute it. So that would make it more appealing um, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, Friends reunion on HBO max delayed again due to COVID. This is via slasher oh. film. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. What are we going to do? No, I, I don't get it. Why does anyone need them to reunite? I hear, I think it's only like a one episode thing where there's no script. Like they're just talking. Who fucking cares? Like yeah, we who, don't like friends. <laughs> I yeah, fuck that show. Uh, I just wanted to put it in there so we could fucking bash it. Um, <laughs> uh, Dirty Dancing Dancing sequel announced thirty three years after the original. Jennifer Grey, she's obviously uh, Baby in the first. I don't even know what her real name is in the first. I haven't even seen it. Um, she's going to come back for it. Uh, this is via the Guardian, obviously. R.I.P. Pat Swayze. Um, did you see the first one? No, I haven't. I don't really know that I care about a sequel to that because I've never seen the first one. I probably should watch the first one though because it's pretty iconic. I'm assuming the the plot is going to be like she's a teacher at the dance camp or something now. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, I kind of want to watch it too. It's definitely a gap in my my movie knowledge, so I'll probably watch it, but I don't know. Who who cares about Dirty Dancing at this point? I didn't think they had like that much of a loyal fan base to like bring it back for a... uh, for another one um this one this is from variety so they were already announcing that they were going to be making a live action pinocchio which i could not be less enthused about but then tom hanks is in talk to play in talks to play geppetto uh and this would reunite him with director robert zemeckis who is known for castaway forrest gump polar express um i uh Anyone who knows me knows Tom Hanks is my favorite actor of all time. I think the pair, if it was just Tom Hanks, I would say this doesn't, like I still love him. I'd probably still watch it, but it wouldn't make me think it's going to be a great movie. But the pairing of him and Robert Zemeckis, when they've had a lot of good, uh, they've had good chemistry. They've worked on a lot of uh, great projects. It could be a good movie. Like it could be good. I don't know what you do with Pinocchio though. Like, Who's going to play Pinocchio? (laughs) I don't know why they're... It feels like they're going further into, like, the Uncanny Valley by bringing an already fake boy in the story and then making it live action, which I don't even know how that's going to work. I think Pinocchio is, like, a really creepy story. It is. I kind of actually want to watch this. Well, I'm never going to watch it, but... But, yeah, I mean, Tom Hanks is really just, like, does whatever, honestly. He yeah, he's done a lot roles. of pro- he's done a lot of projects recently where it's like, dude, you're not like, and they're not bad movies, but it's like, dude, you're not, you're not desperate for money. Like, hold out a little bit. 
Like, well, I mean, Disney movie. I mean, that's a pretty big role. I heard he was last. good in that, though. I heard he was very. I didn't see it. So, oh, Mr. oh no, I'm just talking about the Disney movies oh. in general. That's not. That's a pretty big role to like that you that any actor can get. So I mean. No, but yeah, I'm tired it's... of him playing like a train construct uh, instructor or, or whatever it's called. Doctor Polar... instructor. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm tired of him playing like a man who's on a boat who's saving the people on the boat or like a play like Sully. Like I don't need any more of those roles. Like I don't need any more <laughs> middle aged man roles of like something almost happened. But I, I did just watch. People. I did just watch Captain Phillips. He is good. Yeah, it's like the same. They're all like the same <laughs> I love, movie. I love I Captain Phillips. I don't want to see those anymore. <laughs> Um, all right, I think this is your this last piece of news yeah, in your wheelhouse. Yeah, this last piece of horror news. Um, I just read this book called I'm Thinking of Ending Things by Ian Reed. Highly recommended by one of my friends who has really good taste in books and movies. Um, so I actually read this book last week in, in like two and a half hours. It's a pretty quick read. It's like uh, 150 pages. Um, I don't want to say too much about the book itself, but the combination of actors in it. So it's Jesse Plemons is the lead. Um, Jesse Buckley, who I've never heard of or seen. Tony Collette, who obviously has an outstanding um, resume. And she was she was excellent in Hereditary. And David Thewlis, who I recognize, but I don't know what I've seen him in. It's going to be directed by the same person who directed The Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. So that's another weird factor to this, because if anyone's read the book, you know that it's definitely a strange book. But I saw the trailer and I am interested of how many like creative liberties the director is going to take and what they're adding, because it's a pretty scarce cast. Like within the book itself, there's only really four or five characters. Um, but I am really interested to see this because there's really not that many great horror movies around. And I always like when, when a movie has a more artistic twist to it. it. It's just the, the, the trailer didn't seem to emphasize the creepiness as much as like maybe like a sort of unsettling whimsical atmosphere. So I'm curious about it, but I, I can't wait to watch it. It's coming to Netflix. So you can stream it there. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, I won't be watching, but any of you. Well, if anyone wants to uh, <laughs> message me about it when it comes out. Um, yeah, I think that concludes movie news. That was a good slate of movie news. Some good things coming out. It's nice to hear about movies and shows and things coming out, or at least starting to think about starting film dates and stuff like that, you know, getting back to normalcy, hopefully. Um, but let's get into the review for this week. Grand Budapest Hotel. I very much enjoyed this movie. Um, but let's get well, don't into... don't spoil your I'm thoughts not, in the I'm beginning. I'm not saying the rating, but like, I enjoyed <laughs> okay. it. Um, There's so, a lot to unpack here. <laughs> it is a lot to unpack. It's, it's, I think this is going to be easier for probably for Ariana to explain than I. There's a lot of like, it's quirky. It's, you know, there's a lot of like subtleties and things that I think Ariana will probably have a better take on than me. But um, so... Grand Budapest Hotel, 2014, comedy drama, written and directed by Wes Anderson, explores tragedy, war, fascism, nostalgia, friendship, and loyalty. Um, the cast in this movie. Yeah. Incredible cast. Uh, Absolutely cast here. incredible cast. Okay, just to name a few, uh, you got, I mean, I'll probably just name all of them. Ralph Fiennes, uh, he's Monsieur Gustave. Uh, famed concierge of a mountainside resort, uh, which is the Grand Budapest Hotel. Uh, when Gustave is framed for the murder of a wealthy dowager, is that how you say it? Dowager? Yeah. 
uh, played by Tilda Swinton, who has like three lines and then she, <laughs> she dies. Uh, he and his recently befriended P- protege Zero, played by Tony Revolori, who's also in the new Spider-Man films. That's probably what you recognize him from. Um, embark on a quest for fortune and priceless renaissance uh, painting against the backdrop of encroaching pandemonium via Wikipedia. I mean, let's just talk about the cast, some of the guest stars, people who like just popped up out of nowhere, were there for two seconds and then that's it. So you got, um, hold on, I got some of them written down here. You have Adrian Jude, Brody. You've got Adrian Brody. You've yeah. got Jude Law. Mm-hmm. You've got uh, <laughs> Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. <laughs> you've got, you've got Cirsa Ronan. You've got Edward Norton. You've got Harvey Keitel, who plays the the bald guy in the um, in the cell who helps him break out. Oh, Ludwig. Okay. He's in. I mean, he's he's like an all star actor. Um, who else? Bill Murray, <laughs> Lucas Hedges, um, briefly, <laughs> very briefly. <laughs> Owen Wilson, also very briefly. Bill Murray, like Leah wanna... do Did you see her? She's the one who played who? from Midnight in Paris. The one that oh. Owen Wilson is off. She played the maid, French oh, maid. Oh, she did look familiar. So Jason Schwartzman too. He's always Jason in the West Anderson films, isn't he? I I think so. And I guess what I want to talk about is like, is that just a credit to the director and the writer for their, like their reputation, where these huge they can get all these huge actors to come in, take a back seat. They don't really. Have, I mean, most of the people I mentioned, they didn't have huge. Really, the biggest role was Ralph Fiennes, Zero, Sirsa. And probably Adrian Brody. Oh, Willem Dafoe. We almost Willem forgot Dafoe. about Willem Dafoe. <laughs> like, is it a credit? Like, Wes Anderson must garner so much respect that, like, Harvey Keitel, who's been, like, in a thousand movies, leading roles, supporting roles, he probably had, what, like, 15, 20 lines? That just goes to probably Wes Anderson. Like, they just want to be a part of one of his films. I mean, I don't think... The, the thing is, is, like, even when it's a brief line from somebody they're not really overlooked or forgotten no like they still stick out in their own way um cameo is always fun but yeah i think i mean wouldn't you want to be on involved in a movie like that if you're given the chance the amount of intricacy he has in this in this movie and all of his movies just like like yeah it's wild how much work goes into it so it's like yeah i mean i feel like you'd want to take that on as an actor yeah i mean it was it was really just incredible like every single 10 minutes you're like oh my god he's in it she's in it um i mean even from the very beginning cinematography is breathtaking the color scheme is very bright warm it's like quirky it's whimsical um everything's very symmetrical like Mm -hmm. the shots are very symmetrical um the set design i mean just insane like the set design of the hotel every part of it was just incredible from like the present day hotel which was a little bit more beaten down to the you know to the 30s uh hotel where it took place where it was more like vibrant and alive um the costumes i I thought i mean it was it was incredible really honestly i don't know what what your thoughts were on that yeah, I mean, they won, I just was looking up about it, and they won four Oscars, Best Original Score, Best Production Design, Best Makeup and Hairstyling, Best Costume Design. Um, yeah, he's obviously, it's weird because I saw Moonrise Kingdom uh, before this movie. I saw it when it came out in theaters, and I didn't realize that this movie took 
like was was after Moonrise Kingdom. For some reason, I always thought it was older I thought than so 2014. Too. So I really want to go back and watch Moonrise Kingdom again and see, and also just his other earlier works and see if this is like a, a more grand escalation of what he usually does. Are his earlier works as intricate as this one? Um, yeah, obviously there's a lot to digest and say about this movie. It seems like a movie that really needs a second watch, honestly, because uh, there's just so much to look at mm. and to take in. Yeah, so there's a lot, and it goes a bunch of different ways, but just to briefly kind of summarize what happens, it's like flashbacks within flashbacks within flashbacks. The movie starts off with Jula's older character. He's an author, right? Yeah, um, he, he's an author of a book called The Grand Budapest Hotel. In the 80s. Yes. And they flash back to when Jude Law was staying at the Grand Budapest Hotel back in the 60s. Yeah. And he meets Zero, who is now the owner of the hotel. Mm-hmm. And they go back in time again to the 30s when Zero starts working at the Grand Budapest Hotel as a lobby boy. And Ralph Vienna's character is the concierge. So that's mainly where the movie takes place. Is they're, they're storytelling through the 30s. And the, mm-hmm. like the late, late 30s, early 40s. I think late 30s. Um, and basically Ralph Fiennes just fucks all these old women, um, and like is obsessed with these old, these old people who come into the hotel and talking to them and, and, um, you know, impressing them and, you know, almost like seducing them. Right. Um, and Tilda Swinton is like one of his favorites. She's super loaded. She dies. He inherits this priceless painting and it, it's an adventure throughout, throughout that, you know, that point because her family wants the painting and, you know, they want to, they want to kill him and he, you know, he gets sent to prison. Um, so it's just basically a huge, uh, a huge adventure from there on. Um, I thought, I'm trying to think of some scenes that really stuck out to me. I liked the, the part when they're in the train car, they're on their way. It's Zero and Ralph Fiennes are on their way to go to the announcement of the will. So until the mm-hmm. Swinton's character dies, um, and they're going to, I don't know what the town was, to, to basically be with all her extended family and see what, they're, what she's giving out in her will. And they get stopped by uh, basically like the fascist government or army, uh, Zero and uh, Ralph Fiennes do, and they're getting beat up. And there's this like slight moment where Zero and Ralph Fiennes look at each other, like they glance at each other. Mm-hmm. And it's like the first point where you're like, okay, they've connected, like they they have this chemistry, this bond now where initially Ralph Fiennes was very question, like he was, he didn't really necessarily think that zero was worth being a lot like a lobby boy or he mm-hmm. was up to the standard. But I think at that point he had proven his trust and basically become his right-hand man, which I thought was like the first, one of the first scenes uh, that I really, that really stuck out to me. This, the movie was beautifully paced, like an hour and 40 minutes. I paused it at 30 minutes and it felt like so much had happened in just 30 minutes, but it didn't feel yeah. fast. Yeah. You know? No, it didn't feel fast. It, it, um, yeah. I mean, it was definitely interesting in the beginning. Cause I was like, how is this, what is going on yeah, here? Me too. I like that. It's structured by storytelling and, and authorship. Like it's interesting. I, I also really just Jude law has like a really nice perfect, voice. I loved listening to him narrate. Voice. I was like, wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool how it, it was like a it was a visual sort of representation of reading a book. Like it was really interesting the way that that even the script is obviously very flowery. It's not your typical yeah. script. 
There's um, a lot of good humor yeah. in there too. A lot of good wit and humor, and it get series of unfortunate events. Jude Law, he was he played I mean, Lemony Snicket in that too. Oh wait, okay, so too. that makes sense. Uh, okay, so he's clearly the narr. Yeah, yeah, he's young gay Dumbledore too. Yeah, great, good look, great, good look. I mean, oh one of the underrated, best looking men in Hollywood, easily. I, I mean, I think he's pretty. He's definitely People very. Forget about Jude Law. He's underrated. I don't know. Like well, now they he's do. He's very handsome. But yeah, so. Well, like, yeah, I, I agree with you. That was the and the the another scene that I thought was phenomenal was the escape scene out of the prison. Like just the, <laughs> yeah, that was it was really funny. Amazing. It was funny. It like the way they they sh- just the way this guy Wes Anderson shoots this this the tiny movie. little tools and they all huddle around. Yeah, it was so funny. Like it's so it. comedic. It's whimsical. <laughs> <laughs> it was just hilarious when they were just going through the entire prison. Um, and then they got out. Um, and the chemistry between Ralph Fiennes and Zero was really like in the beginning. It was really good. I thought they they really worked well off each other. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it's really a story of yeah the friendship of Ralph Fiennes and Zero, and it was interesting because I was reading this um, essay. I think I wrote it down here by. Uh, Lee Marshall, and I don't know if it's publicly available because I found it on like my school's database, but it's called Wes Anderson's Fabulous Fancy. And he sort of pointed out the fact that there's the, the bond between them because Ralph Fiennes is this flamboyant bisexual man, Zero is an immigrant, so they both have this sort of um, maybe feeling ostracized a little bit by society. The thing, well, the thing that I didn't get, like, I didn't, I didn't really glean anything from his sexuality though until they set until like adrian brody was like calling him you know slurs for being a gay man did you yeah i mean i i mean i kind of got the sense that he was sort of just like you know men and women alike he was sort of trying to in, oh, like enchant them maybe. i mean it was interesting because like obviously i don't know if <laughs> if like back in the i mean it's not a historically accurate film because it's not trying to tell history but it is it is it was trying to be accurate to history in some way. So I'm like, I don't know if like, there was a term for being bisexual in the 1930s, no. but, mm. um, but yeah, I mean, I kind of got the sense it, yeah, regardless it, of, I mean, yeah, I definitely got a sense that his sexuality was not straight. Like he was, <laughs> he was a different for sort some of reason. It didn't, it didn't like, I mean, I knew him as like being a flamboyant person, but for some reason it just didn't, maybe there was a part where they were like showing him basically getting like blown by the old lady in the beginning. There was like yeah. a part where, there was probably, I'm sure a part there where I may, maybe I just missed it, but yeah, I didn't really think anything of it until Adrian Brody said something. Um, the, you know, so I don't know if maybe that, I, I didn't know if you noticed this as well, but so like, as I mentioned before, there's a lot of bright color schemes, but there were certain scenes where they deliberately, I feel like made it darker. Like, yeah. like the scene where they're distrib- distributing the will. I think it was like a scene where it was super dark. Um, I'm trying to think of another scene. The prison was obviously a different color scheme. Well, yeah, but even the prison, there were certain parts where like, I, I don't know if it's maybe just the quality of the film or whatever, like mm-hmm. the actual physical film, but just everything seemed to be, I don't know, just more bright in your face. Uh, not in a bad way, in a, like in a, in a very good way. But um, I think one of my favorite parts too was when was when uh, Ralph Fiennes got out of prison and he's calling the like the, basically the secret alliance of <laughs> <laughs> concierges <laughs> who are gonna like help him out. And then you got like Owen Wilson and like Bill Murray um, uh, in that crew, which was which was funny and, and cool. Um, 
and the uh the part i also like the butler character too the one who was like on the run i thought he was pretty good the like, one who funny. who kind of like sold him out yeah the one who uh the one who sold him out and like got yeah. killed in the confessional yeah yeah yeah, yeah i liked um yeah, I I really like the phone the phone call scene. I I mean, I I just can't even get over Ralphie Ennis. I've never seen him as doing any other role other than Voldemort, obviously, which is a very flamboyant so role. Also, but he was amazing in this movie. Yeah. I I was just like so like taken by his acting and yeah. the, his character. He completely embodied a different persona. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I really liked uh, Zero. He was a very like he was a very tender character, although he like it's weird because they don't necessarily have these like emotional like moments ri- moments that are not written as, as super emotional, but you still get like a lot of really like sensitive and tender moments um, between Zero and Agatha. Obviously, I was very sad watching him. I don't know. It was just like sad to see like Jude Law sort of view him as like this lonely guy who who just is like kind of lost his friends and owns this hotel just to mm-hmm. hang on to it for the sake of nostalgia. Obviously, the the nostalgia theme is a huge theme, and that that's kind of similar to Midnight in Paris, which we watched for episode two. Um, that's one of the main takeaways I had was the level of nostalgia in this movie. Yeah, and I thought, like, I thought Zero, as a kid at least, like, the young Zero, like, yeah, there wasn't a lot of, like, emotional lines, but, yeah, like, the the dialogue for him was just, like, very quick, I feel like, mm-hmm. and, but he did, they like, the chemistry between all the actors made it, like, it made it palpable, and I was thinking, like, everybody in that movie is basically a well-known actor, and then you've got this kid who plays Zero, like, what do you mm-hmm. think it was like for that kid, like, you get cast in this movie and you're just surrounded by like they're like the A team of actors, basically. Like that has to be like a dream come true. Yeah, he was I think twenty at the time, because he's not super old right now. Um, I don't know if he's ever been in any other Wes Anderson films before this, because I do know he you know, Wes Anderson reuses a lot of the actors. Yeah. Like Moonrise Kingdom, there's Bill Murray, Edward Norton. I can't remember the re- I'm sure there's repeats though, I can't remember the rest of the cast, but he kinda Jason Schwartzman, I think, was in that too. He kind of repeats a lot of the actors, so I wonder if this was his first role. Like, but um, I really liked him. He obviously stood out. I loved that the the costume, like the costumes, are so great. His his hat said Lobby Boy <laughs> yeah. on it. It was purple. Um, and they wore it everywhere. Like they, like yeah, they were, he wore the, he they wore, wore the it to like the <laughs> they wore like they wore it to the will distribution. They like wore it at the end of the movie too. <laughs> like they just never change out of it. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking at my notes and I have Lair de Panache, the perfume that he's obsessed oh, with. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I also loved how, like, every actor just kept their own accent. Like, no one, like, Harvey Keitel mm-hmm. kept his, like, mobster accent. Owen Wilson just had his, nor- Jeff Goldblum just sounded like Jeff Goldblum. Finally, uh, Circe Ronan was allowed to not oh, yeah. be American mm-hmm. in a film. Watch Brooklyn. Once. Brooklyn, oh, she's, uh, she... she's Irish in that. Yeah, yeah, and she was obviously, I mean, she always kept captures the scene like even for yeah. how she she wasn't in it a ton she was a, a larger character for sure but she's always compelling to watch i like that they had this detail of the birthmark but didn't really comment on it like once necessarily they on it once. yeah yeah but it kind of just did give her like a distinct personality sort of with that birthmark you kind of learned the way that she yeah. sort of uh, like so again she sort of had maybe occupied a status of somebody who was a loner in a sense, similar to the Ralph Fiennes and Zero, who they all are sort of bonded by their kind of 
uh, being out of place in the world a little bit. Yeah. Well, um, I safe to say we both really like this movie. Uh, I don't know. Do we have any other comments on this? Questions? Well, yeah, I wanted to talk about Willem Dafoe's performance, which was largely Creepy. a physical. Yeah. He didn't really say much. Yeah. Hit the boots. The, there's so many, there's so much emphasis on the boots. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, he took his shoes off at one yeah. point. Yeah, I to, to kill Jeff Goldblum, like it was very his character. I don't even really know what to make of that character. He was, he was very, creepy. He was creepy. Very um, unsettling because he's. I mean, like, well, let's like let's be serious. Like, Willem Dafoe's an ugly person. <laughs> like his face is not. He's, he's got a weird attractiveness to him. I mean, like I'll maybe Spider Man Willem Dafoe, like, generically handsome. <laughs> no, we'll say that. Yeah. no, but they made him like they gave him like this weird underbite with like no teeth on his top. Like he had like these weird like bottom. teeth to like yeah. vampire teeth or something and he didn't say anything really he had probably like 10 words i don't even know but he was just like an imposing presence yeah um i love that like i said it was mostly like a, an acting role that consisted of him being doing physical things like killing people it was interesting because there there were so many flashes of intense gore and violence like the cutting off of jeff goldblum's fingers oh, yeah. the door the, the decapitation of the woman Mm-hmm. the way he murdered the and they like yeah. punched it they showed like when they punch him in the face like there's a there's a oh, the i think well, the, the moment where they all punch each other <laughs> yeah, there's a few yeah, times they funny. get they get like hit in the, there's a bunch of times where they get like bloody noses and they just like leave the blood on their faces um yeah. for the bloody noses yeah there was some some uh kind of gore uh, well yeah and i think you you know obviously they're making parallels to nazism you know yeah. so um, it was interesting because that was like in the backdrop and although I don't think like the, I think the country that they are in is like a fictional, like I don't think. Well, Bud- well Budapest is a, is a real city, but I think the country. No, I know, but I think the, be- I don't think like the, like where they're, yeah, where the location is in the film. I think it's fictional, but it's obvious. It was based yeah. on, he was drawing from historical references, the, mm-hmm. you know, obviously the fascism, um, which was the demise of. Uh, Gustav Ralfiane's character was being killed like ex- and there's like the looming backdrop of like being executed um, right. which just was yeah it was interesting and, uh, and uh, Wes Anderson did like a lot of research to make parallels there that's why I just think like you just have to look into things with this movie because there's so much there that he 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 goes off of also just Tilda Swinton and how she was uh, she's a nothing recognizable nothing no it's yeah. they completely like changed her face like she well, yeah really I mean, she was an old woman yeah I mean I, could, I knew it was her but then I was like really she's in I didn't even know she was in this and I mean she had I don't know three lines five lines and she was dead um but yeah I thought it I mean great movie uh do we have any other comments before we give our ratings um I don't think so. I just, yeah, I guess Adrian Brody was interesting to see him as a villain for once because you don't True. really see him yeah. as a villain. He mm. he was a, oh, and I loved the the sort of focal point on the painting. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the yeah. The boy with the apple. It wasn't mm-hmm. like a real historical painting, but they they actually had someone like obviously paint that for the movie. It was based on Renaissance painting. So, mm. um, but yeah, there's just a lot there. I have this article, that article I mentioned earlier. I want to finish reading it to to see a little bit more. Um, of what he was drawing on with historical references. This is my first Wes Anderson, I think. So uh, I knew his style, like I knew what it was about, and I never thought I would necessarily like it a lot. But I, I love this movie. I'm uh, shocked you like it. I thought you were gonna hate it because it's not really. It's, it's no, it's very good. It's kind of it, subtle. Like it's not like a super action packed. It's not. I, th- I I disagree. I I thought. 
like it moves so fast, but not in like an uncomfortable or like a, a bad way. It was, it wasn't action. It was action packed. Like, I don't know how to describe it, but things just kept moving. There's not one point where I was like bored or, you know, there was no lull. It was just going, going, going brisk hour and 40 minutes. Um, and yeah, like I said, the first 30 minutes, it felt like every, the stage was set. I remember like the first, the first five to 10 minutes, I was like, am I going to like this? But then once it settled in, I, I knew I was going to like it, especially it was carried by Ralph Fiennes. Like he, mm-hmm. he, as long as that character was in that movie, I knew I was going to like, he was amazing. Um, yeah, I guess I meant it was like, it's subtle in its script, I suppose, but the, the movie, the visuals do a lot of speaking for the scenes. Like it really, the visuals create a lot of the action. So like, mm-hmm. yeah. it's a very physical movie. Like the escape from prison is all, all the levels <laughs> and the way that, <laughs> <laughs> just like why like i thought like the the hole was going to go directly out of the prison but it just went down the floor <laughs> yeah it just went down the floor and yeah. they were like they had to climb like a hundred feet down like, and then this yeah yeah it was yeah but uh i'm surprised you liked it i thought you were gonna like yeah it i really liked it definitely a specific point yeah it's whimsical it's quirky it's you know etc cetera, etc cetera. uh so ratings what did you give it i gave it an eight and a half out of ten Oh, I gave it a 8.4 out of 10. <laughs> you couldn't just give it an 8. <laughs> no, I had, had to give it Honestly, if I rewatch this, I could bump it up, I think. I, I, I think that too, honestly. Yeah. When I finished it, I was like, I just kept thinking about it. I'm like, damn, that was really good. Um, so I, I think upon rewatch, it could be moved up. But I think 8.4 is appropriate. I think it's, a, it's important to explain, like, if I give something above, or I think if you give something above, like, a 7, it's a good movie. Like... I think six is a still a good movie too, but it's not something you necessarily watch again or like tell somebody to watch. But anything above a seven, I think, is a pretty good movie. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, I just yeah. I think it was a, one of those. Like I said, I think it's a movie that I would want to watch again to see what what else you could glean from it. And I also want to watch more of his other stuff. I want to watch Moonrise Kingdom now. Yeah, Moonrise Kingdom is really good. It's also the the sense of humor is like so specific in those movies. But yeah, if yeah. you like it, then you're you're gonna like Moonrise Kingdom. It's also visually very pretty. Okay, well, that concludes episode four of Movie Time with Anjanari. Uh, thank you everybody for listening. If you like the pod, um, whatever platform you listen to us on, like it, rate it, subscribe it, leave a review, download it. Uh, follow us on Instagram. Uh, we've got an account now on and Twitter. It's going to be in the, uh, in the bio or the description of the episode. So you yeah. can find it. Follow us on Instagram. We'll be posting, you know, memes, uh, you know, maybe, you know, stuff about our next episode or whatever it may be questions for you guys uh, to leave your opinions. Um, so keep a lookout for that. And uh, we'll be, reaching out soon or letting you know soon what our next uh, movie review will be. Um, So for Ariana and myself, we bid you adieu and we'll see you (laughs) next week. Bye.